again, should be a pretty familiar passage of Scripture for us. Uh, We've only been able to do maybe one of these lessons a month, (laughs) and it seems like it's going way too slow for me, but I hope that it's still been a blessing to you, and we just kind of have to do a little bit of a recap every time we go through them. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth, Up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts. Jesus gave gifts to the church. Verse 11, it details what those gifts were. Now, there's many gifts that we've talked about. We've talked about the administrative gifts. We've talked about spiritual gifts. We're doing that during our life group series Uh, the first Tuesday and Wednesday of the month. But these are the ministerial office gifts found in verse 11. It says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, everybody say evangelists, some pastors and teachers, and then it details the reason why God gave the church these leaders, these ministers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now, we've talked about that, that it doesn't say, it's not meaning that these ministers, they do the work of the ministry, but rather in perfecting the saints, they prepare the saints to do the work of the ministry. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the fivefold ministry, the leaders of the church, they're here to help the church to work in the ministry, the God-given higher purpose that they've been given. Aren't you happy you've been given a higher purpose? Hallelujah. So they were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. In other words, that means the ministry is never completed. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's always going to be a need for the fivefold ministry or the ministerial office gifts because we're not perfected yet. So we need more preachers. We need more teachers, evangelists, apostles. We need more people to get involved so that we may perfect the church. That we may come unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So the fivefold ministry, the ministerial office gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're there to help ground us in the truth so that when the winds of doctrine begin to blow and people start saying, no, this is what the Bible says. No, that's what the Bible says. You've got grounding to stand on because your pastor, your teacher, your evangelist, your prophet, your apostle, they taught you the word of God and now you've been able to stand firm, rooted and grounded and no wind of doctrine can move you. Praise the Lord. Are you thankful for that today? 
Praise God. So these, this is the reason why God gave us these gifts, to help us to come to the unity of the faith, to help us to work in the ministry, to help ground us in the Word of God. Hallelujah. And this is what we call the fivefold ministries. And we've been breaking apart the fivefold ministries. I still feel like I'm kind of echoing a little bit. Maybe I'm loud. I'm not sure. But we've been breaking apart each one of the fivefold ministries, specifically in regards to a body. How many of you know that we are the body of Christ? Man, the church is the body of Christ. Jesus Christ being the head, the Bible says. But as the body of the church, we can look at the fivefold ministry in this regard. And though we're not here today trying to, you know, label each one and trying to say this is exactly what this person's supposed to do, this is exactly what that person's supposed to do, as we'll talk about today, uh, those in, in these offices, everybody else is also commanded to do those things as well. We've already talked about how the apostles are the visionaries. We should all have vision, right? We've already talked about the prophets are, are those who are seeing in the Spirit. They're in, used in the gifts of the Spirit. But we should all be used in the gifts of the Spirit, right? So we have these fivefold ministries, not so that we can narrow it down and label each person or anything like that, but rather so that we can see the way God is operating and we can say, God, how do you want me to operate? Where do you want me in the body of Christ? How can I be more effective in my higher calling? Praise God. Hallelujah. So we look at it like the body. The apostles are the feet. They are the visionaries of the church. They are moving us forward. The evangelists are the hands. Now this one's pretty easy. They're reaching out. They're always reaching out to the lost. Those who do not know God. Those who have not heard about Jesus The evangelists are always reaching out. They are the hands that keep the church reaching. You've got the pastor. The pastor's the heart. They are always supplying the body with love, providing the nutrients, the care that the body needs in order for the body to work effectively. The teachers are the mouth. They're the mouthpiece of God. They're constantly communicating the Word of God, so that again, we may be rooted and grounded in the Word. Praise God. The prophets are the eyes. They're seeing in the spiritual realm. And and again, we talk of of prophets as those who see uh, or they foretell of future events, but they're also meant to be simply the mouthpieces of God, those who speak specifically what God is wanting to say. They are to be sensitive to the gifts of the Spirit, sensitive to the voice of God, and they communicate it to the rest of us. So as we see, there's a focus. Each one of the ministries has a focus. Every office has A focus, the apostles' focus is mission. That's their burden. It's to move the church forward. It's to move the gospel forward. 
They're constantly wanting to build new things and start new churches and, and go places that nobody else has gone before and, and do things that nobody else has done before. Hallelujah. Their, their heartbeat is to move the mission forward. The prophet's focus is spirit. They are constantly wanting to know what's happening in the spiritual realm, not just in the physical realm. In fact, the physical realm is not too important to them. They, they kind of dwell in this place, this individual realm between the spirit and the flesh. They're able to hear from the voice of God and operate in the spirit easily and smoothly. Their focus is the spirit of God. The evangelists, their focus is unbelievers. Their heart beats for unbelievers. They're constantly looking for somebody else to help. Somebody else to talk to. Somebody else to preach to. That's their focus. Their primary focus. It's unbelievers. The pastor's focus is believers. He's, they're trying to constantly keep the church together. Trying constantly to help the believers feel the love of God. The pastor usually is helping to connect all five of the fivefold ministry and keep them all flowing evenly. They are the shepherds of the church, the overseers of the church, because they have been given direct responsibility over the sheep. That's what the, past, the word pastor means. It means a shepherd. The teacher's focus is doctrine. Not much else matters to them as long as they are communicating and teaching the Word of God. Their primary focus is, is the church correct and sound in doctrine? Do we understand the gospel? Do we understand repentance and baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost? Do we understand the Godhead? Do we understand eternity? Do we understand that Jesus is coming back? Do we understand Old Testament, New Testament? Do we understand and have a clear concept of the Jews and the Gentiles? That's the teacher's heartbeat. It's communicating the doctrine. So let me ask you something. If you would choose one of the five, and again, we don't have to choose just one, thankfully. We can be passionate about all of them. But if you had to choose just one, which one of these would be that primary focus of yours? The mission, the spiritual realm, unbelievers, believers, or the doctrine? If one of those are peeking out a little bit more than the others, then maybe that's an area God's specifically calling you to walk in, specifically calling you to operate in. I'm telling you, we need more apostles. We need more prophets. We need more evangelists. We need more pastors. We need more teachers. Hallelujah. We need more of the ministerial office gifts. Come on, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you with me today? Hallelujah. We need these in operation in the church. We need each and every one of them. If you could throw up the departments. Again, as we talk about this, I know 
we can easily get into the mindset, well, maybe I'm not called to be a leader of the church. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not called to do this specifically or that specifically. But as we talk about the five-fold ministry, we're not trying to say that there's only one evangelist in the church. We're not here to designate, say, okay, you're going to be the evangelist. You're going to be the pastor. You're going to be the teacher. You're going to be the prophet and the apostle and, and all that. We're not here trying to pinpoint specifically that each one of these are fulfilled in that way. The Bible says that God provides it. And God gave them to the church. Therefore, God put them in the church as He wills and as He desires. Hallelujah. So we look at these more like department heads, if you will. These are people who are just simply wanting to keep the focus of these certain things in the church. Because certainly we should all have a desire to see the mission of God fulfilled. Amen? And we should all operate in the Spirit of God. Doesn't matter who you are, you can operate in the Spirit of God. If you just exercise faith, be sensitive to the Spirit of God, God can speak to you. He will use you in supernatural, miraculous ways if you just trust in Him. Oh, amen. Praise God. We all need to have our eyesights on unbelievers, loving them, reaching out to them, communicating the Word of God to them. That's not just one man's duty or one woman's duty in the church. We all have that duty. It shouldn't just be the pastor loving, calling, reaching out to believers, helping believers, trying to care for them, taking them out to eat. Trust me, I can't do it all myself, praise God. But we need others who are stepping out and doing it with me. Hallelujah. And we'll do that same thing. We need others who are teaching the doctrine. We all should have a love for the truth. Amen. We should all have a love for the truth and the doctrine and the Word of God. Hallelujah. So it's not one man or one woman's responsibility solely to teach the doctrine, but rather they are to keep these things in front of the church. The prophet helps to remind us there is a spiritual realm that you and I can tap into, right? An evangelist is meant to remind us That there are unbelievers out there who still need to hear the word of God. Who still need to be preached to. Hallelujah. The teachers remind us that the doctrine is essential. Hallelujah. And that we must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Praise God. Hallelujah. But we need to also abide by these offices. We need to join them and say, let me... Join the mission. Let me act in the Spirit. Let me preach to unbelievers. Let me deliver. Let me love and, and, and labor toward those who are believers. Let me teach the doctrine and uphold the doctrine in this way. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we have our hearts set on becoming more, more involved in the fivefold ministry and the ministerial office gifts, that there will be more people, people who will step up and say, you know what, I've got a burden for that. Pastor, let me communicate this, 
this Sunday. Let me communicate my burden for the unbelievers. Let me communicate my burden for the doctrine. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because we need leaders in evangelists, in evangelism. We need leaders in teachers. We need leaders who are going to step up as apostles and lead this body of Christ into those certain areas. Praise God. How about we clap our hands? Just thank the Lord for a moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you are so good today, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So today we're talking specifically on the office of an evangelist. The office of an evangelist. We've talked about the apostle. We've talked about the prophet. Now let's talk about the evangelist. Now I know we all, if you've been in part of a church for any length of time, you may already have a concept in your mind as to what an evangelist is. Our modern lingo, what we kind of usually use that term to describe as somebody that goes from church to church and preaches. Maybe we might have a guest minister coming and we may say, we have an evangelist this Sunday. And all those things, it's okay. That's how that word has evolved into. But scripturally, that's not necessarily what the word evangelist meant. Scripturally, the evangelists, what their purpose was specifically to the unbelievers, not just to go around to different churches preaching to believers. The evangelist is uniquely called to minister to unbelievers. Now, I don't know if you've ever met somebody who was truly called in the office of an evangelist. I've had the privilege of meeting several people who, again, they weren't just called to do evangelism, as we'll talk about. We all have that calling, but they were uniquely called in the office of an evangelist. Much like the prophet, they're a little different. They're not like everybody else. They act a little bit different. Their thought patterns are a little bit different. They are often salesmen (laughs) and very good at selling The gospel, praise God. And that word, evangelist, it's translated from the Greek word, eugelis, which Strong's Concordance defines as a preacher of the gospel. I looked into the root of this word, and if you look on the internet, they'll basically tell you there's not a lot of resources on this word because not a lot of ancient literature use this word in the Greek except for the New Testament. The New Testament uses it a couple of times and every time it uses it in the, the, uh, the mindset of somebody who goes forth and preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. So here today, if you're called to be an evangelist, that's a, an exciting calling to have. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you're called to pulpit ministry 
or you're called to come up here and preach behind a pulpit. You may be, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you called to pulpit ministry. Evangelists, their pulpit is out there. Hallelujah. The people that they're focused on is out there. Their pulpit is traded in for coffee tables. Hallelujah. Their pulpits are traded in in restaurant settings. Hallelujah. That's their churches. They are meant to go out and to preach the gospel, not just in the building, but out there. I'm not saying you can't be a pulpit preacher. I'm just saying that evangelists don't worry about pulpits. They don't wait until they get in front of a whole bunch of people. If there's somebody who needs to be saved, they pull them aside and they have that conversation and they spread the love of God. Oh, praise the Lord, that we would all get the heart, oh, that we would all get the heart of an evangelist today. You see, the Bible tells us to always be ready to give an answer of the hope, of the reason of the hope that's inside of us. Let's look at that, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, sorry, uh, Kavan, I don't believe you have it on there, but... It just simply says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. He's saying, get ready, be ready, be prepared. Because the moment somebody comes to you and says, listen, Why do you act the way you act? Why are you so joyful or peaceful? Why do you seem like you have a glow about you? He says, be ready to give him an answer. It's because Jesus Christ is in my heart. Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. And I've been born again of the water and of the spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this is where most of us are. But this is not where the evangelist is. You see, because the evangelist is not ready only when somebody asks. But like Paul, an evangelist, Paul said, I am ready to preach the gospel in Rome, just as in Jerusalem, and all the other, in other words, he says, I'm not going to wait until somebody comes to me and asks me of the reason of the hope. I'm going to go find somebody and I'm going to tell them if they want to hear or not. Hallelujah. If they ask me or not, it doesn't matter. Praise God. I'm not just going to wait. I'm going to go. Everybody say go. Evangelists they go. They don't sit within the church. They don't wait for the lost to come to them. They go to the lost. So I wish somebody would get this today and say, I'm not going to wait until they walk in the building. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to preach to somebody out there. I'm going to spread the gospel to somebody who needs to hear it. A better description of an evangelist can be found in Mark 16, 15. Now in reading this, let me, be, let me make sure and, and assure you this is not only describing what an evangelist needs to do. They're just, again, the leader of this. They're the ones who are helping us put this forward. Hallelujah. But this is every one of our responsibilities. But look at this. It says Mark 16 and 15. Go. Everybody say Go. 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Can I tell you, I believe in this place we need some people who will get a burden in their hearts so great that they say, I can't just sit down and wait. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go preach the gospel. Oh, we need some people who can share that burden and say to your neighbor, come, let's go. And let's not just sit and wait, but let's go. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. You may remember that that's specifically what Strong's Concordance, how Strong Concordance defines an evangelist. It is a preacher of the gospel. It says, preach the gospel. Why? Verse 16, because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. This is the reason. He said, listen, you you can't just sit back, wait for them to come to you. There's too much on the line. Hallelujah, there's too much on the line because they've got to believe, but there's also got to be somebody who's willing to baptize them. Who's that? Hallelujah. I know around here a pastor does a lot of the baptisms, but that's why I'm not afraid to let other people baptize. It's because I believe that evangelists need to be the ones who are out there baptizing. I'm honored to do it, and I'll do it as long as God gives me the opportunity to. But this is what the evangelist is called to do. Go out there and to preach and to baptize and to help people come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Praise God. They are the first line of defense for those who do not know the Lord against a future of eternal punishment. Praise God. They're the ones standing between the unbeliever and hell. Say, well, that's pretty dramatic. Well, That's exactly the role of the evangelists. In fact, the Bible describes them like they're pulling people out of the fire. As if it's already predetermined that they will end up there. But then somebody comes along. Somebody comes along that says, I'm not content with that predetermination. I'm not content with seeing this person fall and fail and end up in eternity. No, but I'm going to pull them out of the fire. I'm going to reach in and help them to get out. Can I talk to you about some people in this place we need? firefighters in this house we need evangelists that says I'm going to push back the fire and I'm going to save people from that eternal damnation oh there's no wonder there's no wonder why Romans 10 13 describes them and says how how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things how beautiful how is that possible it's because if you look and see exactly what they're doing they're pulling people out of the fire they're directly involved in saving lives oh come on now I'm trying to reach somebody I'm trying to help somebody get a burden today hallelujah and if you're still not convinced 
How about we read the rest of that passage of Scripture? Romans 10, 13. Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, we start there, but we don't realize. We start there in the narrative of the Scriptures, but we don't realize that that's actually the ending. That's where we end up at. He's going backwards here. Saying, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But verse 14, it begins to question, how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear unless somebody goes to tell them? Somebody say, go tell them. Go tell them. And I know we talk about this a lot. We use these passages of Scripture a lot. But it's because this is the mission of the church. This needs to become every person's mindset, every person's heartbeat. Hallelujah, because the Bible actually only uses the word evangelist two times. The first time, it is in Ephesians, where it talks about the office of an evangelist in the ministerial office gifts. But the second time, is actually in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul is writing to his companion, Timothy. Timothy had just been placed as a pastor over the work at Ephesus. He was telling Timothy several things like, be an example of the believers. Don't allow your youth to deter you from the work of God, but love the people of the Lord. But Paul, in his listings of the work that he needed to do, he included this. Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist. He, he finalizes by it by saying, make full proof of thy ministry. In other words, fully perform all the duties of your ministry. Hear me today, apostles. Your job is not completed until the work of an evangelist is completed. Hear me, pastors. Your work is not completed until the work of an evangelist is completed. Hear me, prophets. It doesn't matter how sensitive you are to the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Your work is not completed until the work of an evangelist is completed. Hear me, teachers. It doesn't matter how well you speak, how good of an orator you are. Your work is not completed until the work of an evangelist is completed. Hallelujah, you may not be specially called as an evangelist, but you are called to do the work of an evangelist. You are called to do what they do, and that is preach the gospel. 
Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm called to preach the gospel. Praise God. And I better hurry up because my laptop's going to (laughs) die. Praise the Lord. But we see this. Oh, and again, I know this, this might be a common thing in the church. We, we know this. But I want to talk specifically about the role of an evangelist, you see, because the Bible does give detailed accounts of those called evangelists. There's one man specifically in the New Testament that the Bible calls an evangelist. Acts chapter 21 and verse 8 says, And the next day... I'll give Kavan a second to catch up, praise God. I, I, uh, I uh, did not put all these in the computer for him. So he's trying to come behind me and do, do it all. Acts chapter 21 and verse 8, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip, the evangelists, which was one of the seven, and we'll talk about that in a moment, what the seven was, and we abode with him. Now, this is an important fact. They abode with him in his house, and again, we'll talk about that in a minute, but he, Philip is labeled an evangelist. Now, we can see Easily, how he got that title because it didn't take long after the creation of the church for them to fall under persecution. Didn't take long after uh, the formation of the church for them to fall into things and and for the, the, the government at that time, the Roman government and the Pharisees and all those who persecuted Christ to come after the church as well. And the Bible tells us that when that began to happen, the church scattered many people to their own homelands and, and they, they no longer huddled together in just one building. They, they no longer lived together, but they began to scatter in fear that they would be persecuted. And at that point, the narrative begins to change a little bit. And, and, and you would think that it would become... Uh, the narrative of, of a church hiding. The narrative of a church hidden away. Hallelujah. But almost immediately, we see the story of a man who previously was just one of the servants in the church. Now he comes on the scene and he's out there preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, and we'll read verse 4 through 8. Quite a bit here, but we'll, we'll read these stories just to get an idea of Philip. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the word. Hallelujah. Listen, you know, I know we only come together a couple times a week. When we're not in this place and we're scattered abroad, how about we scatter and preach the gospel? Amen. Hallelujah. What would happen 
if when we left this house, we all went to our own corners of Stewart and Port St. Lucie and Tequesta and Hope Sound and, and all these different places, Jensen, what would happen if we did that and we all went and started preaching the gospel everywhere that we went? Oh, I tell you, God would bring revival in this place. God would bring revival in this city. Praise God. They scattered But when they scattered, they went preaching. Then, verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. And the people, he preached Christ unto them and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he done, he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. You see, he was an evangelist, a preacher of the gospel. That word preacher... It means herald, a herald. In ancient days, a herald was basically a messenger for the king. The king could not travel long distances and go into different countries and and into different groups. He would send a man to do it for him. That man would carry forth the message of the king. That man was extremely important. He held all the authority that the king held. And in fact, he was treated with just as much respect as the king was treated. Because they knew if you mess with the king's messenger, guess who you're going to have to mess with next? You mess with the king's messenger, next you're going to have to deal with the king. Hallelujah. So he went about, the herald went about with the authority of the king to deliver the gospel. Can I tell you that we too go about with the authority of the king to preach his message and to deliver the gospel? That's why the Bible says, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why is that? It's because you're walking in the authority and the anointing of the king. Praise God. Come on, I'm calling all heralds in this place to step up in the authority which God gave you, the authority as a herald, to go out and to preach the gospel, seeing signs and wonders. You've got the authority of the king on your side. You see, but there's a couple things with this story. Because although he preached and he prayed for them, And he baptized them. An evangelist's job is not completed without the rest of the fivefold ministry. And this is one of the downfalls of those called an evangelist. Again, I've had the privilege of meeting 
several evangelists is that it's easy to get into the mindset that nobody else cares as much as I care. And nobody else loves as much as I love. Remember, their main responsibility, their focus is unbelievers. They'll throw everything out the window if it means reaching the lost. And although we need that kind of a passion, we also must have balance in the church. Amen. Hallelujah, because I can tell you, yes, reaching the lost is extremely important. And so is preaching the truth. We cannot toss out doctrine for the lost. So is operating in the gifts of the Spirit and the Spirit of We cannot throw out the Spirit for the lost. Hallelujah. Come on now. We cannot throw out doctrine. We can't throw these essential things out the window. So, hallelujah, that Philip, his job, though he himself was an evangelist, it was incomplete. He prayed for those in Samaria to receive the Holy Ghost, yet they could not receive it until he called his leaders to come and to pray over them. Hallelujah. Even evangelists must be submitted. And I say that again. We've had several times people come into the church. They say, I'm evangelist so-and-so. I'd like to help you to build this church. And they go out and they never come back. And they don't submit to leadership. And they don't try to work with the church. Can I tell you that that's not how God has called the evangelists? Philip's beginning was not one as an evangelist, but one as a worker over the tables in the church. When the Bible in Acts, it talks about him being over the tables. It's talking about in Acts 6, when the apostles, they knew that the work was getting to be too much. They began to call men who were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom to do church work. So Philip was one of them. We know him as Philip the evangelist, but they knew him then just simply Philip, the one who served tables. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. And then that just reminds me today, That even if I'm an evangelist, I still got to join with the church. I got to work with the church. I got to fulfill my plan, my role in the church. And listen, this isn't to say then you got to let go of your, your beliefs or let go of your passion or let go of your burden. No, it means to say bring it with you. Hallelujah. Teach the church how to reach the lost. Show the church how to have a passion and a love for unbelievers. Help them know how to preach it and to deliver that gospel. Come on now. Hallelujah. I'm talking about an evangelist joining with the collective vision of the church and say, I'm going to work together to reach the lost. Everybody say work together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's an old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. 
I believe it takes a village to get people to heaven. It's not meant to be just one man's job. Yes, an evangelist, they're, off, they're known for going out and, and finding people and bringing them to, to the truth and baptizing them, seeing them filled with the Holy Ghost, moving them to repentance. That's amazing, but what happens after that? I've seen many people who are gifted in this area, and yet those who they reached are not in church today. They, do not, they did not continue in their walk with God. It's because an evangelist allowed himself to get focused on one area and for God, he's got to work with the church. We got to work with the church. But a Philip, he evangelized everywhere he went. After he left Samaria, he evangelized on the way to Gaza. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and I'm almost finished. says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. That's not necessarily a, a message from an angel that I'd want to hear. <laughs> go to a desert, it says. Oh, but we got to go everywhere. Hallelujah. Because if the desert's where the lost is at, that's where we need to be at. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. If that's where the lost are, that's where we've got to be. Verse 27. And he arose and went. And behold, the man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning, sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. I love this. The Spirit just says to him, go jump in that chariot and start preaching to him. Praise God. Hey, when the Spirit tells you to do something, you just go and do it. Praise God. Don't worry about what, the, what, what they may say or what might happen. You just go out and you do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because you don't know what soul you're reaching, what life you're changing. So verse 30, Philip ran thither to him heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? The Bible says he started there in Isaiah preaching Jesus. That's why he's called the evangelist. Because he knows how to speak to people where they're at. Hallelujah, if you want to be an effective evangelist, we've got to learn how to reach people where they are. Hallelujah, you don't need to come to them with all this great in-depth knowledge about this and that. No, but you meet them where they are. And say, so, well, you're in Isaiah. Well, let me preach Jesus to you from Isaiah. 
Hallelujah. Maybe they don't know anything about God at all. Well, you start from the very beginning and you let them know just plainly, simply, Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you. Let me tell you, I know some people won't. Well, I don't know what scripture to take them to. Uh, Hallelujah. I'm not saying that's an excuse. We got to be ready to give an answer, right? Hallelujah. So you got to learn the scriptures, but some people, they don't need scripture. They just need you to tell them, this is what Jesus has done for me, and he can do it for you as well. I used to, uh, there's a, a guy at my, my father's church, he used to attend my father's church. He was, he, this was him. Everywhere he went, he could reach the lost. And you know, it was always so funny to me because he was kind of a goofball. I mean, really, he, he was kind of a, you know, he was somebody that, that just was goofy. You didn't think he'd be able to go out and, and do all this, but everywhere he went, he had people he'd talk to and tell them about God and tell them about the gospel. I'm like, this man, he, he doesn't know how to pray He'd have a hard time praying. He'd have a hard time reading the Bible. He didn't know what passage of Scripture to take him to. He just knew you got to repent and you got to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You got to receive the Holy Ghost. You got to give your life to Jesus. That's all he knew. And man, he reached people everywhere he went. He reached them. I remember he, uh, we were actually working together at the same place. One night he comes to me with one of our co-workers. This was somebody that I have been just trying to be a witness to. Just trying to love on him. But man, I just didn't have the gifting like he did. And I love on him. I do all this stuff. But I don't know where he comes to. He says, Aaron, Aaron, this guy right here, he says he wants to get baptized. He says he wants the Holy Ghost. What do you think? Can we go baptize him and pray for him? I said, man, I've been working on this guy for a while now. Hallelujah. And he comes up and just said, one night he convinces him to give his life over to Jesus. Uh, Hallelujah. I said, absolutely. We went at, and I actually sat down with him and opened up the Bible. And I taught him from Scripture. This guy didn't need to teach him from Scripture. I taught him from Scripture. Then we went and baptized him. He had to have a ride. There was a, another co-worker that brought him. That co-worker was pretty, you know, uh, not, not all for it. He, he, he didn't really want to listen to the Bible study and all that. But man, when we started praying for him, God filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Next thing I know, his friend who didn't want to have anything to do with it. I see him over there crying. I went and prayed with him. God filled him with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I'm telling you, it doesn't take some great order. It just needs somebody who says, I've got a passion and a burden to preach the gospel and to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You start where they are. And Philip, he went and he baptized this man after preaching out of Isaiah. Acts chapter 8, verse 39. Oh, hallelujah. Acts chapter 8. Verse 39, he baptizes him. 
And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. What happened to Philip? He was there. He baptized him. Then all of a sudden, Philip was gone. Where was Philip? Well, he is where most evangelists are right after they baptize somebody, right after they reach somebody. Let's look at verse 40. Where's Philip? Philip was found at Azultus. Passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Where was Philip? He was preaching to the next soul. He was preaching to the next city. Oh, can we stand to our feet today? Can I tell you? There's so many people out there who need a preacher, who need somebody that says, I'm going to bring the truth to them. Somebody who's bold enough to say, Have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard what Jesus did for you? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that Jesus has more for you in your life? Have you repented of your sins? Have you asked forgiveness of Him? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? Washing away that old man, old woman that you used to be? Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost? With the wonderful, precious uh, example of speaking in tongues. Have you allowed God to work in you in this way? Hallelujah. I'm calling on men and women in this place that says, I don't know if I'm called to be an evangelist, but I want to work in the, the ministry of an evangelist. I want to do the work of an evangelist. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm wondering right now if we could take a moment to, to come down to this altar and to begin to say to God, Oh God, help me to do the work of an evangelist. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not saying you got to go to the next city or the next town. Maybe if God called you to do that, you'd do it. I'm not saying you got to go to another country. I'm just saying, why don't you be an evangelist to your family? Hallelujah, why don't you start with your family? Why don't you start with your neighbors? Start with your co-workers. Oh, there's somebody in your life who's not saved. There's somebody in your life who needs to hear the gospel. Hallelujah, you're going to take the gospel to them. Are you going to preach to them the love of God? Oh, hallelujah.